Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the many blessings you pour upon us each and every day. Now, the blessed opportunity once again to get back into your word. Help us now as we get into the studies of the second letter of John to understand the message and apply it in a right way and be able to draw close to you through it. Thank you once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Exploring the Word series, here in the second letter of John, a small epistle they call it, and some have said that this is possibly a, a general letter where it starts out the elder unto the, the elect lady and her children, general to the way he's saying that. But I think uh, it, the scholars that agree that it's to a specific person instead of to using the word lady in general as the church and the church members, but specifically, and to the third letter of John as well, because there he actually says the name Gaius. So even in that, being a personal letter to someone, we can learn a lot from it. After all, First and Second Timothy and Titus were letters to specific people as well from Paul, and we learn a whole lot from those. So we'll get right into it here in the second letter of John, which reads, The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. So basically all this is a, in verse 1 through 6 is an introduction and an acknowledgement of the commandment of love. And then he gets into the point that he's making in this or the message that he's given to this lady and to us. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Two very important points that he's bringing out in these two verses. The first one there is acknowledgement of the rise of the Antichrist attitude, behaviors, movement, beliefs, and works of the Antichrist through those that are followers of Satan. And also that we need to be careful how we link up with and associate with those that might be deceivers and mess up our rewards, indicating that they can be messed up. Because it says receive a full reward. It means as much as the Lord had in mind for you. And 
come judgment day will be revealed what the Lord had in mind for us to receive or wished that we would receive, desired for us to receive, versus what we actually did receive based upon our works. Read verse 8 again. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Notice how he says we instead of you. He's including himself in this. Letting us know that even somebody as tied in and awesome as the Apostle John is indicating that there would be a possibility for even him to have missed out on some of the rewards the Lord had in mind for him. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. Now the doctrine of Christ is the teaching of the truth of Christ. His teaching. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. This would apply to any of those folks that are trying to spread a false religion, a false teaching, an untruth, a false doctrine, a fouled, or even to the point of Antichrist doctrine. Don't receive them. Don't let them in your home. Don't give them donations. Don't bid them Godspeed, as he says there. No, because then you become a part of it, as he says. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. So if you help such folks, you become a partaker in their evil deeds, which will mess up your rewards. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. So the main point that he's sending to her and us is that there will be deceivers that come in denying the deity of Jesus Christ. And for us to be very careful not to connect with or associate with or to support such deceivers. All right, let's go right on into the third letter of John. Where here it says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thou soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And that is very joyous. When we hear that the people that we have considered our family in Christ are doing well, spiritually as well as physically, but to know that they're doing well brings us joy. As beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to 
the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church. Now, charity here is not just giving of substance, it's sincerely concerned for someone else's well-being. Whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such, that we might be fellow helpers to the truth." Helping each other in the ministry is what he's speaking of here. Supporting and assisting those that are doing the work of the Lord. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephus, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Notice this Diotrephus is someone who likes to have all the attention to him have the authority, be the one in power, make the decisions, and so forth. Sounds like he's pretty arrogant and puffed up. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doeth he himself receive the brethren, and forbidding them that would, and casteth them out of the church. A real troublemaker there. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Showing here that there can be people that try to infiltrate the church and they are just troublemakers. Demetrius hath good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. Interesting letters there, those two. Given some warnings about the false deceivers, the, te the false teachers, the false prophets, those that are anti-Christ, and acknowledging love and acknowledging charity, and pointing out a couple troublemakers. Well, actually one troublemaker there in specific, and another one that was actually doing good. So, interesting letters there that we can learn from. And it helps us know that the kind of problems that we are seeing aren't anything new. It goes all the way back, and it's still going on, but we can learn how to handle it and how to deal with it through reading the examples of the experiences of those of the past and how they dealt with it. All right, now let's roll right on into the letter of Jude. This is believed to be Judas, which is the half-brother of Jesus Christ, who changed his name to Jude, because of what Judas Iscariot did, he no longer wanted to be called Judas himself, so he shortened it to Jude. And it's believed that he is the author of this letter here. And a very interesting one here that can really apply to the things that are going on in the world today. Let's get right into it, the letter of Jude. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James... 
to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. So Judas could have claimed to be the half-brother or brother of Jesus Christ, but he didn't want to be puffed up with that kind of accolades that he might receive for being such. So he kept it and mentioned his brother James. As it continues, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Contend, that means work for it, battle for it, fight for it. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. There again, pointing out those infiltrating deceivers that come in to try to make us disturbance. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. He's getting into a lot of things that are going on today as well. Sodom and Gomorrah, all that perversion being promoted, accepted, and encouraged in this country and around the world. And then those that like to stir up trouble, or the Antichrist bunch, the Antifa, and the, all the other groups that are like them, that are just all about anarchy. Reject Michael of the archangel when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuked thee. See, giving us the example there of how Michael, in that battle, the Lord's going to take care of it. We've got to know and understand the best thing we can do in all of our battles and conflicts and struggles is to make sure the Lord's the one's in control of the battle. He can allow us to be a part of it, yes, but He's the main one in the battle. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. That sure is commonplace in the world today. People that are just spewing out evil and contrary things that they don't even know what they're talking about. But what they know naturally as brute beasts in those things, they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them! For they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Cori. These are spots in your feasts of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out 
their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. That's sad. That was so prominent and prevalent and popular back then, but yet we still see that today and even on the increase today, more so than back then. The Antichrist bunch, the contrary ones, the troublemakers, the rioters, spewing out all kinds of stuff, and they don't even know what they're talking about. And as it says, in whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. We need to do what we can do to try to turn more of them away from those evil ways, to spread the gospel, to share the love, to shine the light of Jesus Christ. Because we see so much of this on the increase, the false teaching that John was speaking about, the uprise of the Antichrist movement, more and more of it, the perversions and the increased attempts to pervert the children on the increase is terrible. But yet we need to pray for them. We need to stand up boldly and proclaim Jesus Christ to them. Verse 14, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. It's interesting here that he mentions Enoch. Now, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, you can go back to the generations mentioned in Genesis and see where he comes in that bloodline. He was the one that was walking so closely with the Lord that the Lord just raptured him on up. It's believed that he will be one of the two that is the witnesses during the tribulation time, Enoch and Elijah, because Elijah was caught up in the whirlwind and raptured up, and Enoch was taken up as well. And we also have in the scriptures where it says it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. So we know they've never died. They were raptured up. So they will come down in a physical body and be the witnesses. And at the midpoint of the tribulation, they will be killed. And they will rise up with a glorified body and ascend up to the heaven at the midpoint of the tribulation. So this is the Enoch that he's speaking of here. It's also very interesting that we see that there was writings of Enoch that were still available at this time for Jude and others to be able to study. Now, I caution you, there are books out there that claim that they are writings of Enoch. You've got to be very careful with that. There is one very evil book out there that is accredited to be in the writings of Enoch, which that's the Enoch, which is actually the descendant of Cain, which is not the same Enoch as Jude is speaking of here. You've got to be very careful with those other writings that are out there, the other letters and other books that they claim are genuine, but there's a lot of false teaching that spreads around in that way. But here we know something that Enoch had said. And it's, it's interesting or curious, why wasn't more of his writings preserved? It's believed by some of the scholars that he, Enoch actually wrote as many as 365 books and that they were preserved and all the way to the point of the Lord and through the uprisings that took place over in Israel through the years that those were destroyed. Some say that some of the writings are still preserved in various places that you might be able to get some access to the 
very early copies of the writings of Enoch, but I caution you this very, 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 I caution you very much because, like I say, there are some deceivings that it's going on out there trying to pull you away. Because if there's anything out there that someone presents as being authentic that is contrary to the Word of God that He has preserved for us to study, then you know it's false. But they try to say, well, here's a new revelation. Here's a revelation that Enoch had that nobody else had. And it's different from what the King James says. So therefore, the King James is invalid. And then there you go. You just open the door to all kinds of false teachings. And the floodgate comes in and you get totally deceived and confused. And, and then what he is standing on? Sand instead of the rock of Jesus Christ. So I caution you in that. All right, back to it here in verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust. And their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Notice they're selfish, they're perverted, and they're greedy. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. It all goes back to that. Selfishness. It's all about pleasing themselves. And that's the basis of all the sin that we see on the increase and on the rise in the world. It's selfishness. It's greediness. It's perversion. Wanting to do what they want to do over top of what anybody else wants, including the Lord. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. Notice Spirit is capitalized, meaning the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Stay focused. Study the truth that is in the Word of God. Stay prayed up. Listen to the Holy Ghost. He's going to help us understand what is right and what is wrong. He's going to help us recognize the false teachings that are out there, the deceivers out there. And He describes them so well. You look at the basis of it. What is the basis of it? It's selfishness. Walking after their own ungodly lusts. They want to please themselves above everything else. Every bad habit and behavior and activity and action that's out there, you can look at the source of it. It's all about self-pleasure, pleasing themselves, doing what they want above anything else. And that's what we see an increase of. And then when they reach out to try to get others to do the same thing, that's about selfishness as well. Because if they can have more people doing the same thing they're doing, it makes them feel like, well, it must be okay because look at how many people are doing it. 
Verse 21 again, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Focusing on that first and great commandment, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Because He gave us those two great commandments, to love God with all your existence and to love others as yourself. Paraphrasing, of course, but that's basically what they're about. To truly love God with all your existence. Then your focus is on pleasing God, not pleasing yourself. And then when you have that kind of love in you, the love of Jesus Christ, you can share that with others and then you're loving your neighbor. Notice of in verse 22, of and of some have compassion, making a difference. Like we were speaking of earlier, these that we see walking down these wrong pathways, these that are getting entangled in it, have compassion for them. Not just the hatred and disdain and disgust, which is the easy things to have, but to truly have compassion for them, praying for them. Assisting them how you can without getting entangled in their behaviors, which is a very cautious thing you have to be aware of, is to not be entangled in their behaviors or be drawn down into that by association with them. But to pray for them, help them as you can, carefully. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Quite the conclusion there. But he's pointing out through this letter that goes to all of us, not just to an individual. This was what Jude had written. And as I say, believed to be the half-brother of Jesus Christ. And pointing out things that were going on back then that are even more prevalent today. And pointing out how we need to have compassion for the ungodly that are out there. Helping them if we can. As it said there again in verse 22, And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. The filth that they get into, the actions, the behaviors, can really push you away and make you disgusted, and even to the point of hating Someone, but we got to remember we need to hate their behavior, not the person, and have compassion upon them. Just like Paul wrote in the book of Romans about those, we got to be very careful when we try to judge them in a condemning way. We need to judge them in an evaluation, yes, but not in a condemning way, and then have compassion and pray for them. Sometimes pray for them and back off, stay away from them completely. But pray for them, lift them up, and give them to the Lord. Well, let's close here. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for your word. It's so awesome and it is so current. It is amazing. Written so long ago, but yet truly applies today and will apply tomorrow. Help us to realize that. When we look around, we see the problems and the concerns of the world. We can turn to your word and find the knowledge that we need to be able to be in this world and be effective as your servants. We thank you all so much for the opportunity as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.